0: I love comeback stories. I don't know about y'all, I love a great comeback. How many of you are like the underdog rooters? Like you're always rooting, like if it's a team, you find out who's the underdog, you're always rooting for that team, uh, constantly rooting for that. I love comeback stories. I think uh, that comeback movies are some of the best ones. I love watching comeback movies. In my personal opinion, okay, so you can totally disagree with me on this, but in my personal opinion, the greatest comeback movie That has ever had is this one right here. It's it's the it's the Rocky Drago. Come on, somebody. Do I got any Rocky fans in the house? Any Rocky fans in eleven fifteen? All right, I love this. I absolutely love Rocky. I'm you know when my boys were born, I prayed that God would give me a boy. He gave me three boys. Um, I prayed too hard and. And and so I have discipled my kids in the ways of Rocky. Okay, I'm teaching them the ways of Rocky. All right. Teaching them how to say, yo, Adrian, you know, and there's all the all the great things. And I love this movie. Out of the 63 Rockies that were made, this is the best one. This one, how many know there's a lot of Rockies? How many of y'all seen Creed? Have you seen Creed? If you have not seen Creed 2, go see Creed 2, because it pays homage to actually this one right here. So Put that in your red box. Okay, so you can go check that one out. But this is the ultimate fight, of course. Um, I also liked when he fought Mr. T. Come on, how many you know? You pity the fool. Okay, so that was a good one. There's a lot of good ones in here, but... I think this is one of the best, because of course you it's kind of like a david and goliath moment you got you got Rocky from the u s you got drago from uh, from russia and and he agrees to go Drago kills his best friend and I, if you haven't seen this i'm sorry i'm going to ruin it all for you and uh and then he goes and he, he flies to Russia and he's training in Russia. And you see Drago's like training with all of these uh, like sophisticated equipment and, you know, he's inside of a gym. And, and you got Rocky. Rocky's got a barn. He's in a barn, people, in the middle of, the, of a winter. And he's, he's doing CrossFit before CrossFit's even popular, okay? He's flipping tires and, you know, he's doing, doing sit-ups and all this stuff. And we see this moment where he's just getting into a physical peak position and, and, and performance. And then you have this fight that goes on right here. And it's, of course, the, the dreaded moment. And come on, how I many you oh, know this is the best scene right here? Right here where he puts Drago on the mat. And, you know, he's yelling, where's Adrian? He's all, he's all busted up and everything. And you're cheering for him. It's, a, it's one of those moments. I love movies that are like this. They're my favorite. But uh, last weekend, there actually was in uh, Real Sports... What commentators have now said is probably one of the greatest comebacks that have ever happened, and it happened last weekend. And uh, I don't know if you follow this sport much at all, but in the sport of golf, there was a guy who was one of the greatest. Anybody know who he is? Tiger Woods, yep, this, was, this, this happened last weekend right here. Tiger Woods won his fifth Masters last weekend, got his green jacket yet again. Now the reason why they said this is probably one of the greatest comebacks it ever had was because Tiger Woods at one time for 13 years, now think about this, for 13 years Tiger Woods was the number one golfer in all of the world. Number one, for 13 years straight he was the number one, no one could touch him, everybody wanted to be like him. And then, he had a massively huge decline. For the last 11 years, Tiger Woods has not won anything. Um, Everything from scandals, to DUIs, to being put in jail, to having to go to rehab, to him having to have four back surgeries where the surgeons actually even said they didn't even know if he would even walk again, nevertheless play golf again. And in the course of the last 11 years, he's gone from number one in the world for 13 years straight to outside of the top 1,000 golfers in all the world. So think about this. He fell from number one to ranked lower than the top 1,000. I mean, that is the ultimate defeat. And yet last weekend we have this historic moment where of course he comes back and wins another Masters, wins his fifth, I think it's his 60th professional tournament that he's won and uh, I, I read one tweet that was a commentator and said, best comeback ever and then it said dot, 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 except Easter. Easter. And I thought, come on, isn't that the truth? Come on, how many know, we celebrate the best comeback ever. Jesus dead and rose again. Tiger ain't ever gonna beat that one. <laughs> and here we are, and guess what? Ours happened on a Sunday, this one happened on Sunday. We got a lot of th- great things to happen on Sundays. And we celebrate the greatest comeback ever, that Jesus who was dead, buried, but how many you know, he was in a borrowed tomb for three days and he came again. And hey, here's the great news, ready? If Jesus can have a comeback, so can you. So can you. Come on, can we give Jesus a praise on that one? So can you. And so today's title, here's today's title. Today's title is The Greatest Comeback. Now I'm going to tell you right now, I'm one of those holla back preachers, okay? So you got to holler back at me. And here's the cool thing. The more you holler back, the faster I preach and the faster you can get to Shoney's, Okay. So come on, somebody, come on, you can just preach, preach it, white boy, let's go, amen. Okay, you don't have to sit all still and stuff, okay, come on, how many you know church is a place you enjoy, not a place you endure, you ain't at the movies, okay, so come on, l- let me hear an amen. amen. Okay, all right, there we go, all right, so if, if it gets going, it gets good, just throw that, you can throw the notes up in the air and go, get it, get it, <laughs> all right, so here we go, all right, here we go, so let's, let's dive in today. Uh, I want to share t- with you today a story um, of one of the greatest comeback stories next to Jesus was a guy by the name of Simon Peter. Now, Simon Peter was a professional fisherman. Simon Peter was a man who, uh, he was a bit rugged, a bit rough. He was on Jesus' team. Jesus had called him as one of his disciples, but he was a bit, he was a bit of a rough guy. Um, Peter, had, he, Peter had a problem where he spoke first and thought second. Y'all know any people like that? Like they speak it and then they think about it? Don't look at them. Okay, don't look at them right now. But just, you've been in those situations where they, they say things, and then, and then they come back, and it kind of bites them. And uh, Peter, was, Peter was a bit of a rugged guy. Peter, um, Peter had a cussing problem. He would cuss people out. Come on, how many of you know that makes you feel good in here? Come on, how many you all Okay, listen, don't polish your halos around here for all the real people in Easter today. Okay, Peter was on Jesus' team, still had a, a cussing issue. And, uh, and, and Peter also cut people. Y'all have ever heard people say, I will cut you? Peter actually did. There was, a, there was a, a guard that tried to arrest Jesus uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and Peter straight up whipped out his sword and cut the guy's ear off. People were like, oh, my God, what is he doing? I think he was aiming for the head and missed. I mean, just whoosh. The Bible says that the ear fell on the ground. Here's the coolest thing. Come on, you know Jesus is the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back on the guard's head. Come on, how many know if I'm the guard, I'm like, bye, Felicia, I'm out of here. I mean, Peace out. How many know I am not by any means arrested? That's, he's God. I mean, y'all see my ear? My ear's on the ground. And and Jesus is like, Peter, put it away, put it away, put it away. I've got to go do this. And this is the kind of guy that we talk about when you think about Peter. Peter was the one who walked on water. Now, he did sink, but at least he went out there. He tried. He was the guy. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you cuss people, if you cut people, and if you curse Christ, how I many of you know you're not getting on the OSC staff, okay? We do not, you're not becoming a pastor on our team. We have policies in place to prevent Peter from being on our team. You can't do that. And yet, he was on Jesus' team, He was on Jesus' team. And and the thing that we know most about Peter, what defined Peter the most, that is most recognizable when people hear the name Peter, is the one moment he doesn't want to be remembered for. Him denying Christ. And it is recorded in all four books of the Gospels. I mean, you know, he's like, thank you, Jesus, for putting all four of my failures in all the books. And yet, here we are in this moment in Peter's life, and I want to back up. I want to just do a quick rewind, and I want to show you, leading right up to that denial what Peter said to Jesus and what Jesus said to Peter. So follow with me. If you've got some notes, you can go ahead and pull those out and you can follow along. We are a note-taking church, by the way. We'd love for you to follow along with us. Those are, those are for you. We have binders in the back. They're free. All for you. And uh, Mark chapter 14, it says this, On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me. And for the scriptures say, God will strike and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So Jesus is giving them, hey guys, this is what's going to, multiple times Jesus was telling them, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to go to the cross. This is something I have to do. I have to fulfill my father's will. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to meet you back in Galilee. We're going to be good. We'll hook back up. It's going to be good. But watch what happens. Next verse says, Peter says to him, even if Everyone else deserts you. Everybody say these three words. I. Come on, let's say it like you mean it. I. Think about it, how Peter's saying, I never will. Even if all these other guys, all these other guys that have been with us for the last three years, even if they desert you, listen, they didn't give you a boat, I gave you a boat. I let you borrow my boat. They ain't as good as me. I'm your MVP. They're, they're going to desert you, but I never will. And, and so Jesus tells him, hey, I'm going to tell you the truth here. Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny. You will deny three times that you ever know me. And here we go, Peter again. Remember, he says things and he thinks, no. He declares emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Have you ever said, I will never do something and then did what you said you would never do? Okay, let me help you out here for all those that have never said that. Um, when I remember when Lindsay and I were married before we had kids, I would watch other people that had kids. Y'all know where I'm going here. Yeah. You've been there. And I said, I'll never yell at my kids. (laughs) I think that's what God did. (laughs) Then he gave me three (laughs) and all boys. And, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to speak so graciously to my boys. I'm going to speak so quiet. You know, when I speak to my boys, my boys will, will listen to me, and I'm going to, I'm going to shape their little hearts with my tender words as I guide them, and they'll sit before their father and say, Father, thank you for being so gracious with me and so kind with me. You haven't been to the Belt Home. Come on, I'm yelling at my kids to stop yelling. Anybody parents in here? Hey, y'all, stop yelling. I'm like trying to yell at them. And, and the thing that I thought that when before I had kids, what I would do, and now, now y'all ever been to Walmart and you see that kid, he's just like going crazy. And, and, and it's just and before, you, before you had kids, you were like, man, somebody needs to discipline that kid. Somebody needs to spank that kid. Now you got kids, you're like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel you. I feel you, Right. There were things that you said maybe prior that you would never do and now that you do. I remember uh, before I moved here to Louisiana when I was in Texas and debating on if I was going to come to Louisiana, I told God, I will never move to Louisiana. (laughs) I told God once I got here, then I told God, okay, I'm going to go back to Texas and I'm going to find a woman and I'm going to get married in Texas. And I told him, I will never marry a Cajun. And I got one from St. Martinville. Come on, God gave me extra. <laughs> he gave me extra Cajun. And then once I did get married, then I said, okay. And this is the ultimate. This is for every guy in the room. And so every guy in here probably can relate to this. And maybe, maybe you never did this. I said that I would never do this. Unfortunately, I did do this. I told Lindsay, I will never drive a minivan, ever. Now, if y'all don't know, we own a minivan now. And so, so I'm just all around, you know, all around Jennings with my swaggin wagon, you know, that's what, this is, this is what I'm, this is what I got, man, this is the cross that I've, I've had to bear. But some of you are also in a place where you said you would never be. I want you to think about this for a moment. We've all probably in our pride and in our, in our confidence have said, I will never, and you can kind of fill in the blank of what you said you'd never do, but there are things right now that you're doing that you probably also said, I will never. I'll never be like my dad. And now you're more like him than you care to admit. Or I'll never not be here. I'll never go back to that. Or I'll never, I'll never do that. I'll never battle with depression and now you find yourself more depressed than ever before I'll never and we all have our nevers everybody's got different ones I'll never do this and here we are with Peter in this moment and he is telling Jesus that I will never do this I'm gonna never do this never actually that word never in the in the in the Greek it's never never so it's like it's not just like, "I'll never. It's like, "I will never, never do this. I'm never, never going to do this." It's like emphatically, but hey, in the words of Justin Bieber, "Never say never." <laughs> Who knew Bieber would be preaching on Easter? All right. Never say, never Because here's what's going to happen in your pride, you're going to realize that what you said you'd never do. Some of y'all would be like, "I never go to church." Ha <laughs> You're here. Because maybe we say never, but God says, "Mm, I think differently. And if you go a couple verses later, watch what happens in this moment. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. You know, one of the things that I absolutely love about the Bible is that God had no problems writing in the pages of his holy scripture, the failures of men and women. And here we are in this moment and Jesus records for us the failure of one of its greatest leaders, Peter. And how many know, can we just all be honest in here? The church is made up of a lot of people who failed. Anybody in here failed before? Okay, we, we've, all, we've all failed. And I, I'm so glad because the church has never been about perfection. And listen, I know you look all good and you got all their, you know, your pastel Easter colors looking good and you're all sharp and everything and you come in here and people are like, how are you doing? You're like, happy Easter. But you got to get back in the car and your wife is like, and it's not good. And we can, we can, we can fake it till we make it, but we're having a hard time making it if we're honest. And I love how scripture reminds us that it's okay to have failed. And it includes this story of Simon Peter to encourage us, actually, that even in the midst of our failure, that God still accepts failures. Come on, our church is full of addicts and adulterers and abusers And people who have had past, come on, how many know that if God can have a comeback, you can have a comeback? And how many know that doesn't have to label you anymore? You don't have to be a failure. Failure is never final in God. Can I get an amen in this church? This is the God that we serve. And here's what I know. I don't know about y'all. There's nights where I've gone to bed and I felt like a failure as a dad. There's nights I've gone to bed and I felt like a failure as a pastor. I felt like a failure as a husband. And here's the encouraging word that I want to tell you today is that even if you feel like you've been a failure, maybe in your finances or you've failed in your parenting, some there's parents now that are older and you look back at your kids and you, you, you feel like you have failed them. And I'm here to tell you that God is even in the midst of your failure. God can still use your failure. And if you feel like a failure, you're a candidate for a comeback. You're a candidate for a comeback. It's good. It's good news. So I want to share with you today because of what Christ did. So after... Peter's denial. Jesus, of course, goes on. He's crucified for the sins of humanity. All of our shame and our guilt and our sins are placed upon our Christ, and He takes all that on. And of course, He goes into a borrowed tomb, and three days later rises again, and He comes back. And here's here's what I want you to understand is that even when you're down, you're not out. And that's why we serve a resurrected King who was down, but He was not out. God brought him out of the grave. God can bring you out of the grave. And so I want you to write this first thing down and that is that your setback can become your greatest comeback. How many know when the disciples looked at Friday and they looked at Saturday, it looked like a setback, but how many know with Jesus any setback can be the greatest comeback. We don't get a great Easter if you don't have a Good Friday. And Good Friday was the most painful, the most hurtful, the hardest moment of Jesus' life and, of course, even the disciples' life as they abandoned him, rejected him, denied him. Some of them, even one of them, even um, brought him and delivered him to Pontius and to the guards. And yet, in this moment, we realize that your setback can become your greatest comeback. Now, if you read the story in the, in the Gospel of John, Gospel of John, in John chapter 20, you got the resurrection, Jesus comes back. I mean, it's the ultimate comeback, of course, the greatest comeback ever told. And you would think at the end of John, it is all said and done. It's done, wrap it up, put a bow on it, we're done with the book of John. But what you don't realize is that the book of John has another chapter. The book of John doesn't end in chapter twenty; it goes to chapter twenty-one. Now, I don't know about any of y'all in here. Our family are very big Marvel fans, so we love all the Marvel movies, like the Captain Americas and the Hulks and uh, and uh, all, all the other characters that come across. There's a big Marvel movie that's coming out this week. My boys have already begged me seven hundred and fifty-three times if we can go watch this movie this week, and at some point we probably will. Now, what my boys have taught me about the Marvel movies is this, and you may or may not know this, is that when when the movie is over, it's not over. Right. Did y'all know that? I don't know if you knew that or not. When the movie's over, it's not over. So the credits start rolling, but the movie is absolutely not over. I learned this the first time we went and saw our first Marvel movie because, I, you know, the credits are rolling. I'm one of those guys, as soon as the credits, I'm like, peace out, let's go, let's hurry up and beat the crowd. Y'all, thought I don't know, I'm that type of people. Let's, let's hurry up and get out. And Josiah was like, Dad, sit down. <laughs> I'm like, all right, King Josiah, tell us what's going on here. He said, Dad, listen, there's more to the movie. I'm like, bro, the credits are rolling. This movie's over. He's like, no, no, I'm telling you. There's more to this movie. It's what's called a stinger. A stinger. And a stinger is that at the end of the movie, after the credits are all said and done, that another part of the movie comes back up. And it's usually just a clip of something that gives you an anticipation for the next movie. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, the problem is, you got to sit through, in a Marvel movie, you got to sit through like 27 minutes of credits. <laughs> I'm like, it's us and the ushers that are cleaning everything. <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry, y'all, my son says. And so we're sitting there, and, you know, they, they got 75,000 people that work on these Marvel movies, so you got to see all their names. And eventually, the music dies down, and the movie comes back up, and it's another clip. And this is a pretty important clip that shows something that's about to happen in the next one. It's a setup for what's about to happen. Now, John chapter 20 is the closing with the credits rolling, but John chapter 21 is the setup. It's the stinger. Why is John chapter 21, and if you go read the book of John, it seems so weird, and why did they close it at 21 and not at 20? Jesus is resurrected, it's all said and done, it should be great. The reason John chapter 21 was there was because Peter still needed to be restored. And Jesus was not closing it up until Peter gets back on. And so this is why when we talk about that your setback can become your greatest comeback, I want you to look and see what happens. So, okay, imagine with me, the credits are rolling, John 20 is over, but there's another movie, and it starts back, and here's how the scene starts. You ready? John chapter 21. Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now this is so crazy, because... Peter was a fisherman by trade. This is what he did as a profession, and uh, Jesus actually got him from the fishing village from Galilee and brought him in to go fish for men. And so here we are three years later and Peter says, hey, listen, we, we did the Jesus thing. We did the God thing. We were on the three-year journey. Okay, now let's go back to what we knew. And, and here's what I find is that oftentimes when we fail, oftentimes when we try something new, often when we try something that we think is gonna do something one way and it doesn't, we always go back to what we're most comfortable with. The things that we said we wouldn't go back to, but we go back to it. We say, no, no, I'm not drinking anymore. No, I'm not doing this anymore. No, I'm not watching that anymore. No, I'm not doing this. And then when when it doesn't deliver how you think it should deliver, we immediately go back to the thing that we went to. So let me ask you this. When you fail, what do you go back to? When you feel depressed, when you feel like you can't take it anymore, when you feel like you're in a desert area of your life, what do you go back to? Maybe it's, Something you're eating or something you're consuming or something that you're doing. I don't know what it is, but we all have something that we kind of revert back to. And these guys revert back to this in this moment. And I love the next verse. Watch what the next verse says. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. So imagine this scene. Jesus is now standing on the shore, and the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus, and they're out fishing, doing what they know, and they're fishing. And I love that it says that it was early in the morning. Now, I don't know about y'all. Do you know that there are certain smells and certain sounds and certain sights that when you see these things, they're triggers? They remind you of things. Like, like maybe like your, your grandmother used to cook a certain thing, and every time you walk into a house, if you smell it, it reminds you of your grandmother. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like there's certain, even like certain songs. Y'all got like those certain songs, like when like two or three seconds of it comes on, you're like, that's my jam, yeah. You know, and you just start reverting back to whatever that is. Now, I want you to imagine this, ready? What do you think Peter always thought of when he heard a rooster? Oh, and when do roosters crow? Early in the morning. Now think about this. Ever since Jesus' death, and now going even into the resurrection, and even beyond that, every morning, Peter got reminded of the one moment of his life he would like to forget. Some of you wake up every morning, and you're reminded too of something. Maybe that was the most painful part of your life a decision maybe that you can't take back or something that you've done that you've regretted and here we have Peter going back to what he was not supposed to be doing anymore and I'm sure you got some roosters that are crowing that are reminding him yet again of his failures and here's what I love ready the next verse says the next word says but everybody say this word Jesus. This is so cool. Watch this. Because where Peter thought he would run away from God is actually where he met God. See, because what you maybe don't realize is that this was the same place that Jesus met Peter for the first time. So this past January, I got the incredible honor to go travel to Israel. Um, It was one of the most amazing trips I've ever been on. We're, We're planning some trips to Israel for you to go on, by the way. Um, which would be pretty cool. I think, every, I think every Christian needs to go to Israel at some point in their life. And uh, I got to go see this. I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, can y'all put that up there for me? The Sea of Galilee picture. There we go. So the Sea of Galilee, we're getting there. There we go. Thank y'all. And so, sorry. I mean, no, they only get, they only get attention when it's not going right. And so we appreciate y'all. This is the Sea of Galilee right here. This right here is a, I I, I always pictured like when Jesus, it said like Jesus was by the shore. I was thinking like Destin. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody like that? Okay, but it's actually very rocky. This is the terrain that's actually, so I just want you to picture, okay? I'm trying to give y'all some visual pictures here of what this is actually. This is the exact area of where Peter was from. Jesus was from, all all of the disciples, many of them were from this exact area. And I want you to imagine them in a boat and fishing out on the water and Jesus calling to them. Three years prior to Peter's failure, he had met Jesus on this exact same shore and Jesus said, hey, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And here we are three years later after the denial now of Jesus, he comes back to this exact same place and guess what? Jesus comes, track them down. How many glad Jesus came and tracked you down? He came after you, he pursued you. He didn't wait, he came and he pursued you. And it says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that he was there. Watch the rest of this verse. It says, And then he called out unto them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And then the next verse says, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. So I want you to think about this in this moment. This is such an incredible moment of what happens. See, the, the reason why they knew is Jesus, they, they looked and saw the shore, but they couldn't tell who it was And yet, because of what the voice told them to do, they recognized that it was Jesus because Jesus had actually told them to do this before. And so they had recognized this same miracle that just happened. We couldn't fish anything. Jesus told us to go to the other side. We did, and here's all this haul of fish. And he says, that must be the Lord. And the coolest part is Peter jumps into the water and he swims to Jesus. And he's swimming to him and he's swimming to him. And this is where we find Peter shows up And Jesus asked them this question, hey guys, do you have any fish? Now, have you ever wondered why Jesus asked questions that he knows the answers to? Jesus asked them a question. He knew that they hadn't caught any fish. But he says, hey, how's the fishing going? Why does Jesus ask us questions that he already knows the answers to? Because he wants to know if you know the answer. It's the same thing when he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? Jesus knows where he is. He, Adam needs to know where he is. Here's why this is so important. See, because for, in order for you to have a comeback, God doesn't demand for you to be perfect. He demands for you to be honest. Can I just say that again? In order for you to have a comeback, God does not demand you to be perfect, but he does demand for you to be honest. And the first person you need to stop lying to is you. This is what you say. This is what we say. Hey, how's things going? Oh, it's all good. Is it? Is it? Hey, how, how, how's things working out? Oh, we're fine. As your wife squeezes your hand. Mm, no, it's not. And, and we come into church settings like this and we look good on the outside, but the truth is we are a wreck on the inside. And so Jesus says, hey, how's that fishing going for you guys? <laughs> how's that? And they've got to be honest with the fact that Even in all of our effort and even all that we're trying to do to produce things in our life, it is coming up blank. And I don't know about y'all, but I have had seasons in my life where I've tried to do my own thing and it just fails and fails and fails and fails. And Jesus says this, here's here's the truth is, if we would just invite Jesus into it, how many know he can provide the fish that we've been working so hard to do on our own? But in order for you to have a comeback, you've got to realize you've got to be honest. Jesus knows you're not perfect. That's why he went to the cross. But he does demand you to be honest. Isn't that the same thing? You look at your kids and they got chocolate all over your face. And you're like, hey, who ate the chocolate? And they're like, "Mm -hmm." okay, you know the answer. You're wanting to see if they know the answer. And if they will admit that their need. And so here's where we have Jesus shows up on the scene. What he's trying to do is he's trying to see if they will admit that they need him. That they need him. Because number two is, if you want to write this down, Jesus cares more about your comeback than your setback. Jesus cares way more about your comeback than your setback. So here we are. Peter is swimming to the shore to go meet Jesus. And I don't know about y'all. Have y'all ever said this to your kids? Like, if you've ever talked to your kids and you told them, hey, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and then they've done it, what do you say after they've done it? I told you so. I told you so. Okay, so I am reading this story, and I'm thinking he's going to swim to the shore. He's going to get up from the shore. He's going to look at Jesus. Jesus is going to slap him three times, pop, 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 and deny me three times. And then he's going to say, I told you so. I told you so. But I want you to see, this is so huge, don't miss this, what Jesus actually says when he sees them on the shore. This is what he says. Ready? Ready? Get ready. He says, the next verse. Jesus said to, nope, go to the one before that, the verse before that. Hey, let's have breakfast. Now think about that. Let's have breakfast. Like I'm thinking that he is going to rebuke me. I think that he's going to lecture me. I think that he's going to tell me all the things that I didn't do. Some of y'all were thinking that when you came to church today, I was going to tell you how bad you are. Hey, listen, you already know it. I don't need to tell you. I I need to remind you about how great God is, that even though you are bad and I'm bad, he's still a great God, and that's what you need to be reminded of, and that's what he's reminding him today. He's not reminding him that he denied him. Peter already knew he denied him. He needed to say, can I still come to breakfast? This is what he was saying. Can I come to breakfast? And here he is, Jesus, sitting around with him at breakfast, and this is what Jesus says. Hey, Peter, I got a question for you. Yeah, Jesus, what's going on? Do you love me? And Peter's like, of course I love you. And then he says, hey, Peter, I got another question for you. Do you love me? Now, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, you know, if I'm Peter, I'm like, was he in the grave too long? I mean, did he not hear me the first time? Yes, I love you. And then he says, hey, Peter, I have another question I need to ask you. Okay, Jesus, what's this question? Do you love me? He says it three times. But the third time he says it, he says, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Not go fishing. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Not, not this. Go feed my sheep. Go take care of my people. Take care. Do what, I, what we've been doing for these last three years. Go back and do that again. Because here's why. Why would he ask him three times? Because he denied him three times. And it was almost as, watch this. It's almost as if every time he says, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him, God was saying, But I still love you, I still love you, I still love you. And even though our pursuit of him, come on, how many of you know? The great thing about what God is, the great thing about a combat is that Jesus, the that it's not about how great our faith is, it's about how great his grace is in our denials, in our failures, in our bank. This is what God is doing in our part. So number three is, if you're writing that down, is that your comeback is not because of your great faith, but because of God's great grace. And I love because Jesus looks at Peter and he says, follow me, follow me. I don't know about y'all, if you've denied me three times, you off the team. Are y'all with me? You off the team. But I love this because Jesus goes, hey, no, 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 you're following me, you're back on the team, and how many you are thankful that in Christ, failure is never a life sentence? It's never a life sentence, never at all, and God in this moment is showing him, and I don't know about y'all, I'm so grateful that we don't have a three strikes, you're out type of God, but that we serve a God that in his great grace, come on, how many you know, that he looks at us and he says, I will always be with you. Now, here's the grace. The, the, the part about this that we see God really show up is, Peter says, I will never deny you. And you know what God says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5? I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Same word. One is Paul, Peter, Peter saying, I'll never do this in his own pride. But one was Jesus going, hey, you will do this, but I'm still going to be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never put your sin back on you. I will never make you pay for a sin that I made Jesus pay for. I will never abandon you. I will never leave you. You will always have purpose. You will always be a part of the family. You will always be a part of the team. I'm never, never, never going to abandon you in your worst moment. And right now you may feel like I'm furthest from God, but I need to hear, you hear me? You are never too far from God. It is never too late, and God is always there for you. He's always with you, no matter what's going on. When God says never, he means never. He means never. And so we are a community of a comeback people. All In this, I, I wish we could just sit around this room and just share the stories of the people that are in this room that once were, were Peters, that had failures and were defined by their failures, and God has come in. And how many of you know that God can take your most painful moments and use them for his purposes? See, God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people who were dead alive. God did not come. Easter is not about him making a better version of you. Easter is about the fact that you and I need to die ourselves and we need to let the spirit and the life of God come and live on the inside of us. Because the Bible says it this way, unless a grain of wheat dies, it cannot grow again. And unless you and I are willing to die, we cannot grow again. And here's the beauty of a resurrected comeback king is that if he can come back, he can bring any dead area of your life and make it a comeback. In California, there is a place called Death Valley. So in Louisiana, we know about Death Valley, but it's a little bit different. This place, this Death Valley, is the driest and the hottest place in all of the U.S. This is a picture of it, by the way. Uh, There's no rain here. There is nothing that barely lives here. Um, It can record up to 127 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, this is a pretty serious place. Thank God we live in Louisiana, even though it's hot as well. (laughs) But this place is is unlivable. The reason why they give it the terminology, Death Valley. Well, in 2004, there was a very, very rare thing that ever happened, and that was... At the end of 2004, seven inches of rain fell on this place. It was in one night, all this rain came and and, and drenched this whole area. The next day, nothing happened. The next month, nothing happened. The next month after that, nothing happened. But in the spring of 2005, this place, which is called Death Valley, looked like this. Pretty wild, huh? And what they learned was that there was actually seeds underneath this death valley. There were seeds that were literally just waiting for rain. And because they got the rain, they came to life. Listen to me closely. Jesus and his resurrection is not what he does It's who he is. And if you have dead areas of your life, come on, this is what happens when you allow the rain of heaven to come into your life. He can come and make the dead areas alive again. So here's our prayer for this whole Easter weekend has been, that if you've walked into this room and your marriage or your finances or your life or your family feels like the desert, that you would come into an environment that God could come and help you to believe again. To believe again. Why is believing again so important? Well, because Ephesians 1 says it this way. Watch what Ephesians 1 says, and, and we're wrapped up, we're done. Ephesians 1, put it this way. It says, I pray that you begin to understand. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesus church. And this is my prayer for you today today as we close out this Easter weekend, is I would pray that you would begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who go to our Savior's church. No. To help those who give. No. To help those who finally got their act together and stop acting like a fool. No, God's power is available to help those who just believe. Like that's it, like you just believe that he can, that he can. What did Death Valley do to get flowers? Nothing. They just were in an environment where rain could come. And the seed could sprout again. If you just get in an environment where you can just believe again. Some of you, your dreams have died and the things that you once had in your life have died away and you have settled with the disappointments and the pains of life and maybe it was things that happened to you. Maybe it was decisions that you made on your own. But I'm here to tell you you that God's power is available to help you If you will believe, and this is the same mighty power, watch, this is why resurrection is so important, because this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So I want you to write this down and we're done. Easter is not a once a year event. It can be a daily experience. Easter is not what we just celebrate one time a year where we all get together and wear our Sunday best. Easter is something that you can encounter every single morning, every single day. Any of y'all gone to bed and you just felt like failures? I'm here to tell you that the cross tells us and the resurrection tells us that his mercies are new every single morning. That even when I hear the crow of the rooster, how many of you know that God's grace covers that? God's grace is there for you. It's not because you deserved it. It's not because you earned it, but it's because he is so good. He is so great. He loves you and pursues you and comes after you. And if there's anything this story tells us is that even in your failure, God comes for you. He comes for you. And guess what? John chapter 21 ends with Peter back on the team. The ultimate redemption, the ultimate comeback, the ultimate failure, but God coming and breathing back again, breathing new life. Now I want you to do this as we close this service. I want you to pull this card back out that I had you at the beginning of this message and I want you to flip it over to the back and I want you to look at number three at the bottom and then we are done. It's got four boxes, A, B, C, and D. And I want to explain these to you very quickly and then we're going to have a response time. A is this. A is that I have already, can you put that up for me? I have already in a relationship with Jesus. If you're here in this room and you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, you're walking with him in in a relationship, that's great. You can go ahead and just check that out. This is where I am in my journey with Christ. I'm in a relationship with God. Amazing, awesome. But for others of you, I want you to look at B because B is I want to begin a real relationship with Christ. Maybe for you, you've, you've walked away from Christ. Maybe you were raised, most of us who have been raised in church, we know about Christ. We we know even about Easter and resurrection, and we understand all that. You know that in your head, but you have never really experienced Christ in your heart. The Bible says that in order for us to have a relationship with the Father, in order for us to enter into the kingdom of heaven, according to John chapter 3, that a man must be born again. B is all about this idea of being born again. I want you to hear me very closely. No priest no pastor, no church, no baptism, no communion will ever save you. If those things could save you, Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. But because those can't save you and me, Jesus had to go to the cross to pay for the ultimate penalty. He was the only one worthy, the only one who was spotless to take on our sin, our shame. And if you'll surrender your life and believe that Jesus did enough, you can have a relationship with him. So if that's you, you can check off B. C is for those who said, you know what, Pastor Josh, I'd like to kind of consider this a little bit more. I don't don't know if I'm ready to really make that decision. And that's okay, that's perfectly fine. We have always prayed that our church would be filled with people that are non-church people. I've always prayed that our church should be filled with people that walk into this and you got doubts and maybe you got criticisms or maybe you're going, if there's a really good God, why am I going through this? And, and you're wrestling through all that. I'm so glad you're here. Jesus came for you. And, and by the way, God is big enough. He's not scared of any questions that come his way. And so today, if you're like, you know what, that's just me. I just need to really consider this. Maybe come back for the next couple of weeks. I would encourage you just to keep coming back for the next couple of weeks and just just have an open heart to what God wants to say, and that's fine. Or maybe your D in the last one is is that, you know what, I I don't really ever really intend on making that decision, and that's fine as well. I, I want you to write that down. Be honest with that. Because here's what I know. I cannot convince you, but I know that God can. And here's what I also know you're one of these four. Whether you check the box or not, you're one of the four. And so I wanna to close today with just praying for you, and specifically those here that are ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. I wanna walk you through a prayer that's just something that you can pray that connects you with the heart of God. And so right there where you are, if you've, already, if you've already checked it off, I want you to just bow your head right there where you are. That'll let me know that you're done. If you've already checked that box, just bow your head right there. And I want you to pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my shame, my guilt, my sins, and you died for them. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go there. Today, I turn towards you. I turn for my sins to be born again. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Jesus, be my Savior. God, be my Father. Holy Spirit, be my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everyone said